again and welcome to our podcast Unboxing Content Marketing. My name is Hanna Reinikainen. And I'm Nina Uusitalo. We are happy to be back from our break and we have four new episodes coming up for you. Interesting insights and topics such as persuasion, branded content and consumer engagement online. Welcome aboard again. In today's episode we talk about what kind of effects does it have on us when we know that we are being persuaded. I guess you could say that this topic is sort of the other side of the coin to the topic that we talked about on our third episode, transparency. Yes, when it comes to sponsored content and content marketing, the audience must always be openly told if they are being influenced and who is behind that attempt. Hence the use of tags such as sponsored or advertisement. And the way human mind works is that when we see that, for example, an online article is sponsored, it triggers a psychological process called persuasion knowledge, a concept originally coined by Marianne Friestadt and Peter Wright in 1994. Persuasion knowledge means that when we come to realize that someone is trying to influence us, for example, through advertising, a coping mechanism is launched. We start to consider what does this attempt of persuasion mean and how do we respond to it? And according to this comes our reaction. Exactly. But let's now hear from someone who is a real expert on this. We talked about persuasion knowledge with Professor Sabine Einwiller from the Department of Communication at the University of Vienna. Professor Einwiller has studied persuasion knowledge, for example, in the context of sponsored posts on Facebook, and we'll now let her explain the theory in more detail. The authors of this um, theory, Friestadt and Wright, um, they say it can be understood kind of as a gameplay. The marketers, they are the persuasion agents. They try to hit the consumer who is the persuasion target. And um, while the consumer is trying to, when he or she is hit, try, trying to cope with that um, yeah, being the target. So over time, um, the agent and the target on the other side, they develop this persuasion knowledge. Um, so persuasion knowledge actually is on both sides. It's on the side of the agent and it's on the side of the target. And um, well, the, the marketer, the agent develops the knowledge what works, um, I mean, how he or she can persuade the target. And on the other side, the consumer or the target um, develops this knowledge of um, like what situation are there? I mean, when is um, the marketer trying to persuade? How is that happening? And, and especially how can I as a consumer cope with that? So it's the coping strategies um, with these persuasion episodes. And um, so I'm saying it develops over time. So we, when we look at children, um, they don't have persuasion knowledge yet because they haven't developed that yet. They they don't have any experience with um, being persuaded with marketers. Um, so this is why they're very vulnerable too. So they have to be um, also protected um, against uh, persuasion. And over time, we develop this persuasion knowledge and... Um, People then, when they see or when they feel, okay, I am um, trying, I mean, the marketer is trying to persuade me, um, they develop these coping mechanisms. So how can I cope with that? And it, it, all, it doesn't really have to mean that they always show reactance, that they always um, react negatively. I mean, they're just, just trying to um, 
like still achieve their goals, like try to, um, I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, um, what's best for me? So I'm trying to get the best out of the situation, which can be um, resisting or also accepting. So persuasion knowledge actually works on both sides. Marketers learn what kind of gimmicks work the best with consumers, and consumers, on the other hand, learn how marketers are trying to influence them and how to cope with that. Yes, and it's interesting what Professor Einwiller said, that although we come to realize that we are being persuaded, it doesn't necessarily mean that we react negatively. The tag advertisement doesn't mean that it automatically drives people away from the content. But an important part of this process is, of course, the fact that you are able to recognize when you are being persuaded. True, and research has shown that it's not always easy for people to tell whether certain content is sponsored or not. Here's Professor Einwiller talking about people's ability to recognize sponsored content. Um, this is what research shows. This is also what our research shows and what other research shows that it is often quite difficult for for consumers to um, to see and to um, recognize the the attempts because of course I mean that's what the marketers also try um, is to have these um, labels as small as possible here we come back to the transparency so um, Uh, there's been studies like where this label shall be, so it's um, recognized more, but often it's not very well recognized. Um, and um, there's there's been a study also by the Stanford Stanford University and and the um, education department there actually, um, and they have done um, research with pupils and also university students, and they found that um, they were actually not very good at identifying um, commercial sources online. So um, yeah, and this is also what we show in in our research is that just labeling the content as such does not um, yeah really At least we, we don't see that this creates persuasion knowledge yet. Um, yeah, so it, it's often difficult. So a label or a hashtag alone isn't necessarily enough for people to recognize that content is sponsored. Yes, and marketers need to be careful, especially when it comes to young consumers who haven't developed their skills in persuasion knowledge. Well, what does all of this mean for brands who use, for example, sponsored posts on social media? How are sponsored posts on social media seen by consumers? Um, yeah, there's well, there's mixed results um, in the studies. Um, we find that in the study we did on um, the Facebook posts, we show that the negative reactions are actually only by the ones who were lowly involved, the ones who um, weren't really paying close attention to the content, and um, they were somehow irritated by that. So um, low involvement increased the also the, the skepticism. And what we show is that those that were highly involved um, and really paid close attention also to the content and maybe even saw the value in the content, they, they didn't react um, negatively. So I think this is a finding which is interesting for, for marketers too, that um, it's important to create valuable content. 
Um, we still have to do research on that, but our hypothesis is, and I mean, this is what's also, I mean, the, the strategy of um, content marketing to really create valuable content. And then if that is the case, then the consumers, they don't mind so much if it's sponsored. They might even appreciate it if the uh, marketer says, okay, this is sponsored and I'm transparent, and but this is still useful. So um, then, I mean, even if there is persuasion knowledge, I know, I mean, they want to sell me something or they want to, I don't know, um, convince me that this is a good product. But I know that it's open and um, I still see the value for me and that's fine. So it um, doesn't have to have a negative effect, persuasion knowledge. I mean, as it also is said in, in the theory, it doesn't have to um, create resistance if it's um, noticed and um, con the consumer says, well, this is valuable, I can, I can use it, it's good for me. That's, um, it may even have a positive effect, also the transparency. So it all comes down to good content. Yes. If the content is deemed useful and trustworthy, it doesn't necessarily make a difference whether it's sponsored or not. It's all about getting people involved with the content and your brand. I also asked that after knowing what Professor Einwiller now does about persuasion knowledge, does she believe that content marketing and the new ways of social media and online advertising are effective? It can be effective. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that it can be effective, um, but it has to be done in, um, in a way that actually does create value and um, Otherwise, if it's too commercial, if it's um, also if it's um, only disguised, and then um, that may create even more skepticism. I think also um, we are very much learning still. The consumers are also still learning and um, developing their persuasion knowledge because these are new forms of um, communication, of, of marketing and advertising. Um, or PR or whatever you want to call it. I mean, we see that here the boundaries are clearly blurring between the, the disciplines. Um, but um, consumers are learning, um, stakeholders are learning, and um, if they see, oh, this is only kind of this disguised form of like companies trying to persuade me and trick me into something, I think it's not going to work in the long term. It's important to be transparent, to be open and to... Um, bring valuable content to the um, recipients and to show, okay, this is our position and we would like to, I know, bring you, I know, new information from our side, but it's up to you. I mean, you can decide, I mean, what you um, accept or not. Of course, from advertising, we know that people, even if they say I'm not um, going to be persuaded by advertising, they still are. But um, I think it's important to be transparent, to be open, to be valuable and um, not to disguise it. And then I think it can really be a useful and very valuable um, instrument for you know, future communication too. Transparency, openness and creating value seem to be the key words here. They don't, of course, come as a surprise for anyone who's working with content marketing. But I think the important thing here is that they are also supported through research. There are clearly theories and results to back these claims up, and they're not just empty words. Well, what does Professor Einwiller have to say about the future? What does she think are going to be the future trends and big things in content marketing? Hmm, difficult question. So, because everything is in flux and moving and... Uh, um, I think, I mean, what I also hear from companies, what's going to increase is that the 
companies or brands themselves, they step more and more back in communicating themselves and have others communicate um, that may be like external influencers. Um, that's not next big thing. It's already happening, of course. But um, I think that is probably going to increase. And um, also what um, I've heard like from companies too is that um, employees are also more and more um, becoming involved in communicating about um, their companies that maybe like like the regular like every employee but also the managers of the company so that it's um, I think moving more and more away from like the classical like professional communicators to more the yeah influencers that may also be professional but also like the um, employees that just speak for their company or brand. So I think that that may that is a development, um, may not be the next big thing, but it's like one development I see. And um, maybe maybe the big thing like technologically wise it could be like the whole augmented reality development because that really immerses people into the content and this is probably also a way and to to enhance that involvement because people get really sucked into the content and their involvement um, can increase through that but I think that still needs of course um, also the technological development um, but it's coming. Influencer marketing and employer advocacy are both growing and going strong, but also augmented reality and virtual reality seem to interest Professor Einwiller. Well, I hope she has listened to our episode on virtual reality then. Yes, our interview with virtual reality expert Laura Alla is still available online. Go listen. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to our podcast. There's much more to come. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.